You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub on Radio Maria Canada, exploring cutting-edge health and wellness information and therapies, helping you to take your health to the next level. I'm your host, Kathy Biasse, and I am a holistic nutritionist and professional cancer coach. Today, our conversation on the show moves into the beautiful space of postpartum care. The attention to prenatal care is, of course, vital for both mom and baby. However, what is often not considered and planned for is postpartum care for mom. This is, as our guest, Dr. Katie Takayasu says, such a tender time, a time for healing, a time for adjusting, a time for adapting, and with the right tools in place, hopefully a smooth transition into a new and wonderful time of life. Dr. Katie is an integrative medicine physician, author of Plants First, a physician's guide to wellness through a plant-forward diet, and speaker in the holistic health space, bridging the gap between traditional Western medicine and the evidence-based complementary health tools of nutrition, acupuncture, meditation, botanicals, and lifestyle optimization. She works one-on-one helping patients to recognize their own innate wisdom for finding balance in the mind, body, and spirit, and in group settings with the gentle but effective Dr. Katie Detox, a jumpstart to reclaiming wellness and lifestyle balance by harnessing the body's natural wisdom for detoxification, available in five-day and 10-day guided resets. She loves being with other people who bring her joy, especially her husband, and her two sons. You can discover a lot more about Dr. Katie's life, uh, Life Kitchen at www.drkatie.com. And we'll give you all of her information to follow her on Instagram uh, at the end of the show. And we'll reiterate the website here as well. But just a heads up to uh, what we're going to talk about and what to expect from our wonderful guest, Dr. Katie Takiasu, please do stay tuned with us. This is a subject that we really haven't touched upon on any of our 200 and 200 odd shows here on the Health Hub. And um, as as mentioned a little bit in the introduction, it's such uh, a space that needs to be attended to, bridging that gap between prenatal, the birth, and postpartum, all very, very, very important emotional and physical spaces that need to be attended to. And today we will be focusing on the postpartum care. So please do stay tuned with us. We will be back in just a few minutes to talk with Dr. Katie here on the Health Hub. Gonna be bright 
Are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Um, this show is being recorded, so no opportunity for calling in. Please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all locations. Dr. Katie, welcome to the show. Oh, Kathy, thank you so much for having me. This is really a pleasure. And and I really can't think of anything I'd rather be doing at this moment in time than and talking about um, these important issues. So thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And these issues hit a little bit closer to home for me as uh, my son and daughter-in-law are expecting their first child, the first grandchild uh-huh. within, the, within oh. the family. So, um, you know, anything we can do to to help moms you know, even to help dads, right? Like they both go through this together, but uh, we're going to be focusing on this postpartum uh, stage with new moms. And, you know, when I was doing my research, the postpartum stage is technically defined as, you know, the first six weeks post, uh, you know, post delivery. Um, What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think it's really um, important to say that everybody's journey into, you know, being a new mom or a new provider in the family, if, you know, you didn't become a mom or, you know, a parent in this sort of like, quote unquote, traditional way, that everybody's experience is really different. And that just because we have these medical definitions about, you know, sort of within the first six weeks or so, um, it doesn't mean that your experience couldn't be a little bit more broad than that. You know, I think a lot about with, you know, becoming a mom personally, that it was more than nine months into that journey, right? It's this whole preconception planning. And for me, I had um, issues with fertility and sort of having my period come regularly. And so it took even longer for me to get to that space of being actually pregnant. And then you, you know, you hold on to this, this little person for nine months and then all at once they're there with you. And they say a lot in medicine that it's kind of like nine months in and nine months out, you can even start to feel a little bit more like yourself. And I think that's a good guideline because we kind of think with, you know, different work practices and other things that are in life that kind of clue us into the fact that like, yeah, after six weeks, you're going to feel great. You're going to be able to like, you know, go back to your regular life. And it may not be, it may not be that way for, for many people. So the journey is a really very personal one. Well, I think, you know, when we talk about it in those terms, the first six weeks, maybe you're healed, you know, physically healed from, from giving birth. Now we, we go through so much, you know, as moms, um, as new parents, we, uh, not even new parents only, but, you know, as parents, parents, new parents to be ish ideas, <laughs> yeah. I think you're following when are you going to have a new baby? Um, <laughs> the, you know, we plan a lot beforehand, you know, the excitement we plan, you know, the nursery, we plan all these things. Do you think that this postpartum space has been somewhat neglected in the total planning of parenthood? I mean, I think that's a great question because we get to this space after having, you know, a new person in our lives and everybody comes to it. I'm sure you did too. And you're like, okay, now what? Um, And I remember distinctly feeling that way, being so prepared, you know, even as a doctor about like, and I had twins. So I kind of knew, you know, a little bit more 
about what that journey might be like for me to bring them into the world. And I remember very distinctly getting home to my apartment. At that time, I was living in Queens and I had these two carriers and I was literally waiting in the lobby of the apartment for my husband and my sister-in-law to park the car and come in. And I remember looking at them and thinking, oh, shoot, now, oh gosh, I'm in charge. Mm -hmm. And so it's this moment and many moments, I think, in parenting when whenever we're forced, you know, to realize something new that like we're in charge, we're responsible, and there's no manual. And I think that, you know, we spend, you're right, a lot of time going to classes, learning about childbirth, learning how to put a diaper on, um, you know, how, how to breastfeed, if that's something that you're choosing to do with your little person. And we learn all these things, but in the moment, you're like, oh gosh, I've studied for this, but I don't really know exactly how it's going to go. And so the journey is, it can be so hard just because you've maybe never done this before, or you have another screaming child in the background, or there's no family around you to help you navigate this space and know, you know, from someone, one of your elders, like, what does it actually mean to like try to breastfeed a baby? All these things might feel really new and foreign. And we don't spend a lot of time thinking about that postpartum period when I would say that is the most tender. I mean, we always think about pregnant women. Whenever I see a pregnant woman on the subway or on the street or, you know, looking for an elevator, like I'm willing to like do everything in my power, but there's no overt sign, no overt physical sign when you see a new mom of what she might be going through. And, um, and for that reason, I, I would say it's a really vulnerable population. I agree. And uh, I know when I had my baby and I had lots of people surrounding me, it was such a, a wonderful time. And um, I too, I, I left the hospital and I got home and, you know, my husband went back to work shortly thereafter. And it was such a combination of awesome versus ominous. And there were so many things that I, I started missing in my life very quickly. Um, and, you know, guilt started piling up on me. And I think it's important to bring forward that for, for, for new moms, these aren't things to feel badly about. You're walking in there as one person and you're coming out as two. And <laughs> you can't prepare yeah. yourself for the the overwhelming emotions that you're going to feel just from that. But also we've got this issue of healing and hormones that are also going on with new moms, right? Oh, for sure. You know, a lot of moms actually feel really great after birth. And that is, that's not you know, the typical journey, but many people experience like kind of a euphoria mm -hmm. in that moments, those first few days after giving birth, because it is very exciting. I mean, this might be one of the most exciting things that we do in our lives. And so it is very exciting. And there's a lot of really joyful things that are happening. Um, and then, you know, the hormones are there to help us, right? I mean, that, that's the way nature designed us is to be able to like, sort of manage their first several days without as much sleep or, you know, sort of just doing things in a little bit different way. And then reality will set in. And then many moms have told me that then they experience kind of like the crash. And it's kind of like, you know, in that several days to week after the, um, the baby or babies are born and the hormones start to change. And that's when an emotionality can come that feels very tearful, that feels angry or frustrated, or just feels like this is just so overwhelming. Um, and that's when, um, that's when we need to really reach out to our fellow friends who have done this before, to family members, or you know, to the people in our lives that really provide us support. Um, because it's in those times that it can feel just like everything's kind of crashing down. Um, and honestly, maybe it all it is, is just a dirty diaper and trying to wash some bottles, but that could feel like an insurmountable, um, insurmountable chore and hormones, you know, hormones are there to help us. There's so much that is just beautifully designed to support women through the journey of pregnancy, you know, just hormones that are released in our bodies that help relax our tissues that help you know, prepare the body to take on an extra amount of weight. You know, our bones are there to supply, you know, to supply calcium and, and other nutrients and minerals to the baby and to the pregnancy. 
And then after the delivery, a whole nother group of hormones kind of come in. That's when you have the hormones that help us start to lactate. Um, and if you are choosing to breastfeed, then those are there to help you, but that's a whole nother journey, right? And if you're not, then you have these engorged breasts that really hurt. And you're just like, oh my goodness, like if nothing else could go right today, my, you know, my breast tissue is so tender. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a whole, a sort of hormonal symphony, if you will, that happens to both help us, but can also make us feel really, really fragile. Well, the sustenance that we're giving to a new one, um, if you are breastfeeding, is it's work for the body. Um, it adds it adds another layer of tiredness, and it also adds. And and most most women intuitively who are breastfeeding, they they know that they also need to support their bodies during this time. So much going on, you know the 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 tiredness, the newness, and this underlying understanding that you know breastfeeding or not breastfeeding, you are this child's lifeline, and it's as I said, it's ominous, but it's also such a beautiful thing that, and and such a loving expression of what we do as parents for our children that I think, you know, this is what everyone thinks that it should be like, and it should be this beautiful time and it should be nothing but giving and loving. And then sometimes when these other feelings come in, they're overthought in some cases um, you know, this, this whole idea of, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be this mom. I should be that mom. And again, it is the hormones. It again, it is the tiredness. It's, it's everything. And what does metabolism during this time have to play um, with all that's going on? You know, you bring up a great point that in the postpartum period, um, there's a huge metabolism shift and the act of Um, even your body preparing to have breast milk or for you to continue with that journey with your little person. um, That is a huge metabolic demand and it comes at a cost right of in the body. And so, um, you know, you can think about it. Like I used to remember that with breastfeeding my little people, that it was like, I was running like a half marathon in calories every day just to make the breast milk. And that was for two babies. And I actually never made enough. That's another whole nother sort of thing we can talk about is like, what happens if you make too much or too little, because Mm -hmm. that can also make you feel inadequate. I remember when I had to turn to formula to supplement and I had felt like somehow I had failed in this way um, because I knew other people who had no problem with production. Um, But I remember sitting on the couch with my breastfeeding pillow and sort of thinking about my appetite and, and all the things, right. That, that play into metabolism and how it was like, there was like a treadmill on my chest and, um, and the requirements of that were, were big, you know, as far as keeping up with our nutrition. And I think that's what I really spent a lot of time with talking with patients about these days who are in that tender time. It's like, how do we actually keep up nutritionally? Because the demands on our body are high. If we don't provide for our bodies in that, in that time with what the babies need, if you're breastfeeding or what your body needs for that matter, it's going to take it from other places, other stores in your body. So we store B12 in the liver. We store, um, we store calcium in our bones. You know, we store iron basically in our red blood cells in, in the production of, of heme. And so like all these places that our body has reserves can be taxed during that time. And that can be a really tough time. And and many women then can see the effects of that later on in their lives. Um, We know that people who have more children who spend more time in the, um, in the sort of childbearing part of their lives tend to have, you know, less, less bone mass than other people. There's a whole, there's a whole consequence of that. And so keeping up with your nutrition during the time that you have this active metabolic need is really important. At the same time, everybody's worried about like, oh my God, like how much weight am I going to lose? Like I gained 40 pounds with this pregnancy. Like when is it ever going to come off? So there's also that mind game that we play with ourselves about, you know, our weight and the way our body looks now, because friends, it is just different. Like, I don't care who you are after you have a baby, things just look different. And that can also be, that can also be really challenging for people who don't know what to expect. 
it's really quite an adjustment. And until you're going through it, you can talk somebody through it. You can give them all the advice of the world. But I think it's, you know, you, you have to go through it. Um, and, and you made such a good point. And I never actually thought of, you know, the more, you, you know, you said the more children you have, the more if you're not sustaining yourself properly now, it can have an impact later in life. That's a that's quite a point. I've never, ever thought of, of things that particular way. Um, you and I are at opposite ends of the spectrum. I overproduced um, when I was ah. uh, breastfeeding my kids and I had such a hard time the first six weeks. And if it wasn't oh, for yeah. the help of a nurse friend coming in and saying, you know, just persevere if you possibly can, uh, I would have given the whole thing up. So many things going on mentally, uh, physically, but let's talk about this metabolism thing. And really, because, you know, in all the preparation I did, I've had four kids. I don't Aww. think I ever once focused on nutrition, you know, like prepared nutritionally. And I know that I am a nutritionist, but I wasn't at the time. Um, I don't think I've ever, I ever remember focusing on my nutrition as much as this picture is becoming clear with what you are saying. So let's let's really dig deeply into this because the more people we can reach who are going to have babies and the more that they can plan and understand how important nutrition is while you're pregnant and especially after the the more benefits that, that you can do for people right now. There are lots of ways to approach diet in any space of life. Um, you and I are both plant-based oriented. You've written a wonderful book about this topic. How can eating a plant-based diet be forward thinking in this whole space of postpartum care? Is plant-based diet enough? Is, you know, when when you talk about plant-based diet, is this without um, animal product? Give us what you've experienced and your best scenario for a diet. Yeah. You know, I think you bring up a lot of uh, great points there. And one that I think is important to really like flesh out is this idea of people being plant curious, plant forward and plant-based. And they're kind of all on a spectrum to me. So if you're someone who just at baseline is plant curious, you're someone who knows you've been looking at the research, you've been reading the articles, um, you know, that come through maybe your news feeds or from your friends, you know, you're, you maybe talk to your doctor and you're kind of hip to the game that, you know, eating plants is actually a really good move for your body. That's someone who's like plant curious. Then there are people who are truly plant forward. That's where I tend to sit because I, I grew up in Ohio in, in the States and I just, you know, really every once in a while, just really love some good animal protein. Um, and that's actually a really important thing that I'll, I'll come back to in a moment is talking about like how you get enough protein in the diet, but I try to prioritize plants in whatever I'm doing so that I can, um, really reap the anti-inflammatory benefits of that. And then there are people who are plant-based and those are the people who have only plant products. Um, and they stay away hundred percent from animal things. So they would stay away from, you know, not only like animal meats or poultry, but also the things that come from animals, you know, things like eggs and dairy as well. And so with each place that you might be on the spectrum, you can sort of figure out like where you might sort of dive in nutritionally. If you are in the space of still eating some animal stuff, either being plant curious or plant forward, then it's really important during the pregnancy and also postpartum to think very um, keenly about the amount of protein that you need. Um, the statistics are kind of, or the numbers are kind of um, a little bit of a range, but say that you need to be, depending on the size of person that you are and sort of your innate constitution, you probably need to be in the 80 to 120 grams of protein a day. Um, and animal protein is actually a pretty efficient way to get some of that protein. To give you an example, like a yogurt, you know this too, Kathy, like a Greek yogurt might have 
20 grams of protein. Three ounces of chicken might have 20 to 25 grams of protein. You can still get that same amount of protein from tempeh or tofu. Um, it would just be a little bit different measurement. Um, but being very um, consistent about protein is especially during important during pregnancy, because again, if you're not taking in the adequate amount of protein, your body stores protein in its muscles and the pregnancy will withdraw that protein from muscles and it will break down the muscles. And that's, you know, that's not what we want. Um, and if you are plant-based, then you just have to be a little bit more mindful about how you're building your nutrition. So for everybody, a prenatal vitamin, a postnatal or continuation of the prenatal vitamin, I think it's just good business. So you don't have to be super concerned about like what you might be eating in that time frame. But, um, but, you know, for people who are plant based, it's really important to be cognizant and for everybody actually of the protein of calcium, because our, our pregnancy needs calcium. Calcium is a mineral that provides a lot of electoral um, neutrality to the body. It's important for the heart, for contractility, and just kind of keeping up with the metabolic, again, the metabolic demands of your increased blood volume and like what your heart actually has to go through to keep everybody going during pregnancy and postpartum. Um, so calcium is a really big deal. Vitamin D is always a really big deal for everybody across the board, no matter, you know, where you are on the spectrum of, of uh, pregnancy or um, whether you're a man or a woman. And um, so vitamin D is a really um, important thing because vitamin T tells your body to absorb the calcium from, um, from your diet or from your supplement. And then another one that goes with that is K2. K2 helps the body actually take that extra calcium and move it into the bone matrix and actually strengthen and keep our bones really healthy. So those three work together. And then the other one that's really important is magnesium um, because magnesium is very, very good for the placenta. It keeps things going. Again, it's an, uh, um, an element that keeps things electrically neutral and relaxes um, smooth muscle, which is really helpful during pregnancy. And the last one I'll shout out real quick here is iron. Um, again, because iron is so much an important part of our ability to sustain the increase in blood volume that we experience, um, you know, becoming pregnant and then also postpartum. So keeping up with your iron stores is really important, which is why we screen people for iron deficiency anemia um, during pregnancy, because it is such a problem, you know, because you may go into the pregnant state a little deficient, many of us do, and then it can worsen during pregnancy. And then if you don't rebound from that, you could then have a, a you know, existing deficiency, you know, past the postpartum timeframe. So it's a lot of information all at once. Yes, it is. Um, let's take a quick break here. What I want to do uh, when we come back, I want to set up plates. I want you to show us exactly how a plant-forward diet would look um, as women have come out of childbirth and are in their postpartum-ish, you know, whether you're talking six weeks or nine months stage. So everyone will be back in just a few minutes. Sun don't shine, shine. Too many passing dreams. Roll by like limousines. It's hard to keep believing when it pass you by and by. But 
this yet. Hold on, hold on, he'll get you through this. Hold on, hold on, these are the promises I never will forget. I never will forget. So hold on, hold on, the Lord ain't finished yet. Hold on, hold on, he'll get you through this. Hold on, hold on, these are the promises I never will forget. I never will forget. I know your heart been broke again. I know your prayers ain't been answered yet. You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back. We are talking with Dr. Katie Takeyasu. We left off with um, talking about key nutrients. And I I wanted to pick up on something because you are an integrative physician. Are there testings that um, new mom or moms to be can get through pregnancy that are out of the space of what we consider to be normal medical testing and following? I think that's a great question. Um, And, you know, we should definitely trust our doctors. Everybody um, should have a great relationship with their physician Um, And that doctor patient relationship, I find to be one of the most therapeutic uh, relationships. I often think about the way that I interact with patients like a coach, um, and I'm helping to collaborate with them to find the right way um, for them to take care of their bodies. But um, there are some tests that potentially could be helpful to a um, a person who's pregnant or someone who's just delivered. And, And that would be to look a little bit deeper into some of the things that could potentially be nutritional pitfalls um, because of the issues that we've just talked about. So it's really common in um, the second trimester, second to third trimester of pregnancy to check for um, anemia, because that's really when, um, you know, the iron stores are very, you know, very much asked upon at that time. So generally like somewhere in the, you know, the, in the weeks of 24 to 28 weeks, you'll get another, um, another blood count done. So someone's going to be drawing like a CBC and probably looking at, you know, your iron a little bit more carefully. But you can also ask for things nutritionally that might also be important. So asking for a vitamin D 25 OH level is a reasonable thing to ask in pregnancy. It's also, or in the postpartum period, it's also reasonable to ask for a red blood cell magnesium level, because that tells you how much magnesium your body actually has um, on board. I think it's also really reasonable to ask for more specific um, or more tailored iron studies. If, um, if you are anemic and you're just sort of curious, is it because there's not sufficient amounts of iron in my body or is it because I'm actually not utilizing it? And so there's a lot of other like little things like that that you could ask someone to help you with. And if your regular doctor, your obstetrician or your primary doctor doesn't know what those tests are, then it might be a nice thing to bring along for the ride an integrative medicine physician because they will know how to guide you in that, in that way. Excellent points. Excellent, excellent points. Now let's talk about the principles of a plant forward diet postpartum. Can you set up a plate for us? Oh, so when I think about plates, I think about plate real estate and um, you sort of have to listen to your body to know like how much real estate you should, you know, sort of keep on your plate. Um, Many of us, you know, oftentimes eat off of plates that are way too large for us. But again, because of the metabolic needs are different in the postpartum period, depending on like, you know, what you're doing with your little person. 
Um, you may need a bigger plate or you may need a smaller plate. And so choose the appropriate plate for you that allows you to eat to a place of feeling comfortable, not super, super full, but definitely not to a place of feeling hungry either. Just satisfied. Like satisfied is a really beautiful place to be in life and also with your food. What I do with my plate is I try to think of it in terms of division in half. And I try to dedicate half the plate real estate to vegetables. And that allows me to build a lot of fiber into my diet um, so that I can make sure I'm getting all the nutrients and fiber that I need. And then I spend the other half of the plate generally divided into thirds, a third dedicated to protein, a third dedicated to fat, and a third dedicated to starch. And a lot of women I know will try to be low carb or low starch um, or, you know, try to sort of limit those things because they, you know, are worried about their weight or worried about, you know, are these things going to make me um, not feel well, but many times you need those complex starches to fuel breastfeeding, to fuel your baby, to um, really just help satisfy you because our brains in the end, our brains run on glucose. And so you need to make sure that you give yourself the right amount of carbohydrate in the right form and whole grains and those starchier or sweeter vegetables like your squashes, um, carrots for that matter, those are all really beautiful ways to get in that complex carbohydrate. And then as far as protein and fat go, you know, you may need to alter this, this ratio a little bit for you. You may need more protein. You may need a little bit more fat. Everybody's constitution is a little bit different. Um, but this is a way to sort of think about that in terms of real estate that's actually actionable um, when you're putting together plates. And one more shout out for all of this, which is that preparation is key. And in three, you know, three to five, seven, 21 days postpartum, you may not feel like cooking because you're going to be, you know, just so tired. And so asking for what you want from people in your community or those who are coming to visit you saying like, Hey, I really need a soup that's just chock full of vegetables and has some chicken and also some wild rice in it and ask for that thing. Um, so that you can get nutritionally what you want. But the other part is preparing potentially for yourself before that, before you deliver. So having some things in the freezer that when all the help is gone and you're, you know, more on your own again, that you have some things to kind of help you out in that department. Um, you know, I always tell all of my pregnant patients, I'm like, you should just go to the movies one more time. You should just go out to dinner one more time before you deliver. Cause that's a hard thing to do is go out after the baby comes. But another thing to add on to that might be, you should just do a little cooking and put it in the freezer um, so that you have some reserves for yourself. Absolutely. I totally agree. And you know, I, this, when you said, listen to your body, eat to when you're satisfied. I don't think there can be more truer words because you're feeding yourself, you're feeding your, your, your little one and the demands that your little one has on you could be a lot, even within your own family, from child to child, you may want, have one that's nursing consistently all the time. You may have one where you're getting a space to relax and recoup. So you really have to read the situation right here. And the other thing I really want to bring forward as well is that this is nourishing you, the new mom as well. This goes to your physical health. This goes to your mental health and you need to take care of you so that you are taking care of baby. And there's nothing selfish about this at all. You need to be having food on your plate that is pushing you forward in this beautiful space in life. It is nothing to feel guilty about. And it's everything when you're doing this with the right forward thinking. So it's so, so important. Is eating enough for new moms? You know, you can focus on eating, but is that enough? Are there other pillars that you want to bring forward? I appreciate you asking this question because I think so much about the mental and emotional health space of new moms. And there's really, there's really no better way to support the mental and emotional health than really sleep. And we all know that that is something that is a little bit difficult to get in that postpartum period. Um, but the other piece of, of, for me, of really pulling together like total body wellness is thinking about sleep, how we feed our bodies, so how we nourish our bodies every day, a little bit of physical movement, and then doing something every day that just soothes you, soothes your 
soothes your spiritual self. Those are the four pillars by which I guide patients. So we talked a little bit about the nourishment um, and that's super supportive to the body. Trying to get as much sleep as possible uh, is so important. I remember postpartum thinking that when the babies were napping, that I needed to like answer an email or do something. Mm -hmm. And I wish I had actually just taken more naps. So if your baby is sleeping, um, you should probably be sleeping also. And it's like, did you feel like this, Kathy? You get on this sort of like three hour sort of clock where you're like, okay, I just fed them. And I changed them and, and now they're taking a little rest. Um, and then you're like, I know this is going to start over again in, in two or three hours, right? Ex- exactly. I was so anxious. No, I was like, <laughs> I, I, I can't even, if I go to sleep, I'm going to be my one eye open because I know as soon as I relax, that child's going to cry again. And my yeah. first child was every two and a half hours. So I was like, oh, I was yeah. a little bit on, on edge. And of course, as I mentioned, I was hugely engorged. So it was not a happy time for me as far as rest and sleep. And the other thing, it was like, I think I wanted to be a super mom, right? Mm -hmm. I feed the baby, my house will be clean. My husband Mm -hmm. will come home and everything is just going to look like I'm from Maywood park. And, (laughs) you know, and that's child number one, right? And, you know, they get the worst and they get the best, but as you know, sleep will overtake eventually that need for sleep will overtake. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that the dishes will pile up, but the dishes can also be washed. But those precious moments where you can rest and nourish yourself are so important. So, so absolutely. And asking for what you want from other people who are offering to help people are going to reach out to you. um, Hopefully in, in your life, you have supportive people around you and they want to help. So you know, literally ask them to clean your bathroom, ask them to do the dishes, ask them to do everything that is not something that you directly need to do for yourself or for the baby. You know, they can't sleep for you. They can't breastfeed your baby, Um, but they can certainly like, you know, burp the baby after you eat. They can certainly help with bath time. They can certainly, you know, watch them um, you know, with one eye open while you take a nap, they, they can do that stuff for you. And I think we, we feel so pressured when people come to visit us to kind of entertain them. Mm -hmm. And I remember with twins having people from my residency program come to support me and literally, um, of course they wanted to hold babies. Who doesn't want to hold a newborn? Um, so they would come and they would hold the babies and I would say, okay, see you later. And I would just climb into my bed. Um, and it, there was no expectation there of me trying to like interact or entertain with them because I just asked for what I wanted. And I, I don't, you know, we don't, we don't need to feel bad about that, especially no. at these tender times of life because people want to help. Mm-hmm. And that's a learning experience. And that's a learning that's for a lot of women, you really have to change your flow of, you know, what's normally natural as I'll do it myself. Don't worry about it. And it may take you some time, but you know, when you get to that point when you're so tired and it's, you're looking at this child and going, what the heck, you know, give me a break. (laughs) That's when you can step up. But again, you know, especially for, for women who haven't had a child yet that are expecting or contemplating, it is a learning experience. And you're going to make mistakes and you're going to have feelings that aren't just blissful and joyous. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's absolutely no reason to feel guilty about that. It's just so important, you know, and experience is the teacher, right? Experience is such a teacher. And it's nice to have people like you that people can turn to and with a lot of confidence in your words. I think it's, you know, what you're doing and filling this space is just so important because we see so many people struggling so many people struggling because it may not be exactly what they thought it was going to be, or they're not living up to their own expectations. So, you know, congratulations for, for working in this space. Tell us about your book, an exciting, beautiful book with a beautiful cover picture. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Can I just tell you that that cover was shot in my, um, was shot in my dining room. All actually all the photography for the book was shot um, during the course of COVID and in my house. And so um, you see, there's a ton of recipes in the book, all of those recipes, all the pictures were actually made by my friends and dropped off to my house on my porch. Talk about asking for a community of support. I knew that there was no way that I would get all of that done without asking friends to help. And so they were 
um, dropping off meals at my back door and we were ushering them inside, kind of zhuzhing them up a little bit. And then they all got photographed. So this book really, as much as it is about um, my approach to living a full life from an anti-inflammatory plant forward way, it is also a representation of the community that supports me. And as someone who is literally wired for connection, I'm super proud of the book um, for its representation of that. But the book starts out really with my own personal story. Um, I think it's really easy to judge a book by its cover for all of us. And it's not until you know you sit on the opposite side of someone's you know office table as a physician, or you sit across the dining room table from a friend and she shares something with you that you realize that everybody struggles. Mm-hmm. And I go through some of my struggles only to really explain that I came to this way of living in a very authentic way. It's because it has healed me and allowed me to heal myself. And that's a really important piece of this um, puzzle is that we all have the power every day with our choices to move towards healing or away from. And you don't need to be perfect about that. In fact, I talk in the book about this idea of the 80-20 rule. You just need to do a pretty good job most of the time. So there's always leeway in life to you know, not have the best workout, to not eat the very best food for yourself, to you know, shortchange your sleep a little bit and stay up on a Friday night because you want to hang out with your friends. I mean, there's, there's room for all of that. Um, but it really matters that we make good choices 80, um, at least 80% of the time. And I take you through uh, what I think you need to know as a human on this planet, trying to do a really good job with the grace and the space, the sustainable like practices that I have found as a busy person, um, as a mom, as a working person to really make this applicable to life. And so I walk you through what I call Dr. Kitty's Life Kitchen, which is what you should have in your pantry and your refrigerator. And then I give you 40 plus recipes of things that I think are really delicious um, and also really actually accomplishable by, you know, average people because all those recipes photographs were done by my average friends who are not chefs. (laughs) (laughs) Your average friends. (laughs) They are. Well, okay. They're superb because they're my friends. What I mean is like, they're not chefs, you know, they're, Mm -hmm. they're not trained the kitchen. They read the recipe just like, you know, just like all the rest of us read it, you know, every time we make it. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're starting off and, you know, you're talking plant forward for anti-inflammatory overall health, and there's no better way to start off the life of a baby and the life of a child than nourishing them well. And, you know, if you're a new mom nursing, that comes from you first. If you're a mom moving into the space of feeding your child, this book is for everybody. This book gives you a true understanding of the value of plant forward eating. Uh, It's one that I highly, highly recommend that you take a look at. Where can we get your book? Oh, you know, you can get it probably from your local bookseller, Um, many um, local bookstores. I love supporting local businesses um, are able to get it from the um, publisher, but you can also find it on all the other usual channels, um, you know, in in the States, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, et cetera, have it online. You can also um, purchase it through my website, though I don't recommend that because it's not as easy as some of the other other ways, but I'm happy to mail anybody a copy. And my my web address for my website is drkatie.com. Um, there's also a plethora of other resources on my website, including years, like literally four or five years of recipes that I've compiled over the course of time and created in my my own life kitchen to share with my patients generally so that I could help them on their own quest to uh, improving their health, but they're free for everybody. Um, I'm also, I'm also on Instagram and on Facebook if people want to connect with me. Um, so there's a lot of different ways. And in the States, actually, I see patients in, in real time in, uh, in Connecticut and New York. So um, there's lots of ways to connect to me. But I appreciate you asking about how to get the book because it's, I think it's really important to support our, our local booksellers. Absolutely. Well, we're here in Canada. So I guess Amazon would be. That's the easiest. The easiest for us. Um, well, that being said, I mean, I haven't looked at any of our local bookstores, but it's out there. It's out there for you to get, and I highly recommend it. And for um, moms that are coming due, for moms who are thinking about having, or for people who are thinking about having kids and new moms, 
It's never too late to start taking care of yourself. Um, it's such an important place to, you know, important mindset. It's an important thing to do to take care of yourself because, you know, like the airlines say, put the mask over your face first yeah. and then yeah. cover the one you're taking care of because um, you need to be on and plant forward eating is a huge piece of it as well as the other things we've talked about. So I hope this has helped um, any of you who are in this space. Dr. Katie, thank you so much for joining us. It's such an important topic and I'm so glad you came to the show to talk about it. Oh, I appreciate you having me and, and inviting this kind of conversation. I think real conversations amongst real people are the most comforting thing to someone who might be in a, in a tender space. So thank you for opening the door to that. I think what you, the work you do is really important. So thank, thank you. Thank you very much. And I do agree. Real conversation is so important because, you know, what you see on the internet, maybe Instagram, uh, life is just not like that. It's all, not always, you know, rosy. There are trying times and, and that's, that's what's ahead of you. And the better you're prepared for things, the better you'll handle them. So everybody, I really hope you enjoyed this show. We'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Hosted by Kathy Biasi here on Radio Maria Canada.